Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme on the first day of December, hoping we found each and every one of you in super form today and maybe starting to feel a little bit festive now that December has finally arrived. John Paul is taking your calls today at 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 And of course, today is the day that we come out of our six weeks of lockdown restrictions. And some are saying that the country is expected to burst back into life uh, today. Shops, all businesses that have been, many have been closed for the last six weeks, all now have reopened their doors ahead of what they're hoping could be their busiest season ever. And it is now more than ever that all of those local businesses, particularly the small independent stores, more than ever, they need our custom. They have just three and a half weeks left between now and Christmas Eve. And the pressure is on to make the most of out of what is the shortest run in to Christmas that these businesses have ever had. Uh, Retail Ireland is predicting that 4.8 billion, 4.8 billion euro will be spent on retail sales during the month of December. December. So cash tills will be ringing all over the country as people splash the cash, particularly those who have been confined for the last uh, six weeks and can't wait to get back out and shop. Now, yesterday we mentioned that research has come out showing they reckon that every single household in the country will spend 700 euro more over the festive four weeks than you'd spend in an ordinary month. So that's obviously big, big news for the supermarkets and the retail, many of the retailers, as well as retail and hotels opening today. People will be able to access hairdressers, beauty salons, gyms are open. You can go to the cinema and if you want to, you can go along to an art gallery as well. I think some museums are opening as well. It kind of gives a feel of some semblance of normal life resuming. Countless businesses have been carrying out intensive deep cleans ahead of welcoming back members of the public, while others have been very busy with festive decorations, trying to inject some kind of Christmas cheer. Because, of course, six weeks ago when these shops closed, we hadn't even had Halloween. It was in the middle of October they closed down and many of them just locked their front doors and left. So they've spent the last couple of days getting ready and putting up the Christmas decorations and just trying to make everybody feel as festive as possible. So if you're heading out today, as I say, please uh, try where possible 
to keep it uh, local. And can I just wish the very, very best of luck to all of the retailers and all of their staff. They've got such a busy few weeks ahead of them and for everyone to please show respect to all of the shop workers, those who have never missed a day, those in the supermarkets and the essential stores since the very first day of when we first started talking about lockdowns back in March. All of those essential stores, they all remained uh, open and it is going to be a busy time and tempers will get a little bit fraught and people will have to queue outside a shop and we know this, the weather's turning a little bit colder from tomorrow night. So it is going to be you know, quite nippy out there. So wear warm clothes, but people are going to start getting annoyed if they're too long standing in queues. And, you know, if you can feel your temper starting to go deep breaths, please. And please don't take it out on the shop staff because, you know, it won't be their fault. But I just want to be, wish the best of luck to all businesses that are opening today and all of the hairdressers and the barbers and the nail technicians and the beauticians and the gyms. They've had a, a tough tough year. So let's see if we can all do our bit to help them out in some way. Now we've been asking people to let us know about sending packages abroad. We're trying to work out how long it is taking some packages to arrive and parcels to arrive and very much saying to people if you do have a parcel particularly to send overseas like the likes of Australia, New Zealand or or America, I would be getting working on that this week and getting them abroad. Francis said, uh, I heard your discussion yesterday regarding postage to Australia. Uh, Francis said, I posted two packages to Australia on the 29th of October so we were just gone into lockdown. One arrived on the 20th of November so that took three weeks second one still hasn't arrived oh uh, here's hoping it does absolutely Francis and there's nothing worse for our loved ones living abroad because we let them know parcels on the way and then they're waiting every day for the postman or postwoman to arrive I know a couple of years ago I sent a package to Australia now it was my own fault I'd put an incorrect postcode on the parcel and it was a Christmas parcel and it never arrived and I was hugely disappointed about it and and uh, I'd been checking with the post office and tracking and they had tracked it halfway around the world and then it kind of disappeared somewhere into the postal system in Australia and I was saying oh, that's not my own fault I've got the wrong postcode on it and then lo and behold I think it was around June <laughs> uh, the parcel arrived back it got sent back to me and I remember opening up it was Christmas because it was Christmas presents inside it and Christmas pyjamas and a Christmas card and and so, it was, so it, was, it was quite sweet but I actually got it back six months later and then had to resend it again with the correct post code on it so just make sure your addresses are all correct but how vital it is to have a return ad- address I thought we, that was the last we'd seen of it I thought we'd never see it again but it did actually come back as I say it was about six months later so get your parcels in the post now, I received my first Christmas card the other day I don't know are, are people and I have my Christmas cards ready for posting just think it's a bit early yet is anybody else or anybody when is people when are people sending out Christmas cards have you started to receive Christmas cards uh, yet because I think once they start to arrive that to me is a good indication actually we can start posting them out now so let us know your feelings on the Christmas cards are you sending them out early and I, and I wonder I must try if I can meet the postman in, in the morning I didn't get to see him this morning now I'm often out at reception when, it, when he comes with the post I wonder from the from the, if there's any postmen or women even though they're probably very busy this hour in the morning would they prefer if we sent our Christmas cards early so there isn't because we know how busy they are already last week there was the report that the parcel section is up 130% 
percent on what it would be at the busiest time of the year normally. So you can imagine how much that's going to increase throughout the month of December. So would it help the postmen and women if we cut our cards out a little bit earlier? I wonder 1850 and then yesterday we spoke with the Miscarriage Association of Ireland and we were talking about the taboo around miscarriage. But also I think we were talking about making sure that you say how you can say the wrong thing and how by saying the wrong thing, how it can be deeply offensive and you can really hurt somebody. Well, that Fanula has contacted us to say, hiya, Patricia, my heart is actually broken. I once in my life got pregnant and I went to five months and then I lost a little boy. I've had woman problems all of my life. And then last June, I had to have the whole lot removed, a total hysterectomy. I'm 42. My marriage also fell apart. And the amount of people that say to me, oh, you're so lucky. You have no one hanging off you. How heartbreaking it is to hear that. You're sincerely uh, Fanula. Oh, God, listen, when I saw that email come in, Fanula, I just thought it broke my heart. I just, I wanted to give you a hug. So if you're listening, I'm sending you a virtual hug because that's just what you need. But I think, I'm, I'm glad you sent the email because it gives me the opportunity just to say to people, be very careful before you speak. You might think it's so flippant. And people over the years have said that to Fanula, thinking it's so funny. Aren't you so lucky? You have no children hanging out of you. The life of Riley, you can come and go as you please and you're not tied down with children. Not knowing that every time that that is said to Fanula, you know that her thoughts go back to that little boy that she lost and thinking what age would he be now and how she would love to have that little boy hanging out of her and how she'd love to be preparing for Christmas with him and everything that goes with Christmas. So just be very mindful and very careful. You, nobody ever says those comments deliberately trying to hurt somebody but you might hurt somebody without realising I mean I know another one that I would have heard from other people who have difficulty getting pregnant when people are married if they're married a couple of years people saying isn't it about time you started a family or if somebody's already had a child are you not going to go for number two you never know what's going on in people's lives and because of what we touched on yesterday miscarriage being such a taboo subject people can have miscarriages and they will never share that with anyone are they maybe having uh, fertility problems and not able to get pregnant? They may be going through fertility treatment. They're not going to share that with people. So you never know what's going on in somebody else's world. So just be careful. And it's like that, that saying that we keep saying throughout this year, you know, just be kind, be kind to everyone, but just stop and think when you make a throwaway comment because you don't know how that's going to affect the other person. A new visiting regime for nursing homes will allow for critical and compassionate circumstances, even as Neffet explained concern over the persistently high incidence of COVID-19 among older people. To discuss the new guidance on visiting, I'm joined by Tyke Daly of Nursing Homes uh, Ireland. Good morning to you, Tyke. Good morning, Patricia. Tyke, what are we looking at here when it comes to visiting over Christmas? Yeah, look, this is very positive news and we've been engaged with the, the Health Protection Surveillance Centre for the last number of weeks uh, on, on addressing, I suppose, the, the as I said before, the threat of COVID on the one hand, but also the well-being of, of residents on the other hand. So the HPSE issued our guidance yesterday. Uh, it's effective from uh, Monday next, the 7th of December. And in effect, what it means that under levels three and four of the Living with COVID plan, that there will be at least one visit per week by one person and uh, under level five, one visit every two weeks. Uh, now, clearly, that's going to be challenging 
because you know they need to be scheduled um, and we still need to ensure that there's no large footfall obviously or large numbers of people through a facility at any given time uh, but it, it is positive news So you'll book your time slot that's what you're saying Abs- will you? A- absolutely I mean you know like the COVID hasn't gone away as we know and you and I have spoken on many on occasion uh, about the, the tragedy of COVID for, for older people generally but particularly in nursing homes so we still need to be you know very vigilant uh, and, and ex- exercise extreme caution, you know, before the visit and minimise contacts and all of those elements. But, you know, it, it is important that people get to see their family member any time of the year, but, but particularly at Christmas. So one visit a week, you nominate a person, does it have to be the same person every week? No, that's a good question, absolutely. It, it doesn't have to be the same person, but again, I suppose we'd, we'd like to have a situation whereby, uh, you know, there's not huge variation, again, just to minimise context, but uh, you know what the the, help, the public health people w- w- would have said was, and I think it makes sense is that if if Tyg was coming visiting and if he wasn't feeling well, he might feel under pressure to go on the visit uh, rather than get somebody else to stand in, maybe I, I, you know at late notice, as it were. So again, it's to ensure that uh, the visit can go ahead and that someone uh, you know who may have symptoms uh, or who who may not who may be unable to facilitate the visit that the person doesn't uh, you know lose out as it were on that particular visit as well so uh, I think the, the, the guidelines are, are uh, you know pragmatic and sensible but there will be a high degree of I suppose personal responsibility and asking families to work closely with with nursing homes public private and voluntary uh, as we as we navigate our way through over the, the next uh, next couple of weeks. Will any nursing home residents be allowed out and uh, be allowed and allowed sounds the wrong word, but be yes. able be facilitated yes. to yes. go home on Christmas Day, as has happened on previous years, where Granny might come home yes. and for Christmas dinner, for example, spend a few hours and then go back to the nursing home. Is that completely off the cards this year? Yeah, well, I mean, under the under the guidance that you know, it's not our guidance. I might hasten to add it. It is public health guidance. Uh, what they're saying is that that's you know only enabled as it were or facilitated at levels one and two. Um, I mean the risk is still very very great, and I suppose on the one hand, if you're saying to people you know one visit a week, and then all of a sudden you're saying well a person can you know it, it maybe engage with six or maybe more other people in a private house, uh, it, you know there is a risk factor there. Um, so again, we'd be asking people to be uh, I suppose sensible um, and look if if there are extenuating circumstances. Uh, you know, engage with the local nursing home, whether it's whether it's a HSE home or, or a private home or a voluntary home. Uh, but you know, under the guidance at the moment, as it's currently constructed, is that it's at only at levels one and two that a person would be facilitated to to actually, uh, as you say, leave for for Christmas dinner. I mean, there is an interesting, I suppose, not interesting. There is a challenge there as well because if someone is out for longer than twelve hours, for example, then the guidance is they would have to self isolate for for two yeah, weeks after. And you don't want that. So, no, and I mean, you don't want that. I heard one of our members saying the other day, on, 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 uh, you know, that that's a fairly uh, maybe expensive is the wrong word, but it's a difficult trade-off. Um, you know, so I, I, look, nursing homes have, you know, and the staff in particular have been heroic, as you and I know, all through this pandemic. Uh, we'll be engaging with families. Communication is key on this. You know, the families working closely with the nursing home to ensure that the optimum outcome for everybody. Uh, primarily the older person himself or herself. Do we know what form the visits will take? For example, is it mask wearing? Is it social distancing? Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, mask wearing, maybe not if, if social distancing is, is um, you know, is facilitated. But absolutely, it will be social distancing. I mean, we cannot in any way, you know, put the, the safety and, and welfare of either residents or staff at, at risk. So uh, what it says in the guidance is that mask wearing is optional. But again, 
you know, I don't want to be absolutist about it because, you know, right across Cork City and County, there are differing nursing homes, you know, with, with differing sizes of rooms, with differing uh, facilities. So uh, it, it, it's not, I suppose, appropriate for me at this point to be absolutist about every situation. But clearly, you know, the social distancing is a huge element of it uh, in, in terms of ensuring that, as I say, we can protect people. OK, and a couple of questions. Can presents for our loved ones be dropped to the nursing homes? Oh, absolutely. Yes, there's, uh, I mean, we're working with a lot of people. And I mean, again, you, you and I spoke before about the, the, the Caring Together or, or, or campaign. I mean, the communities have really rallied around. So, no, there's, there's no issue with, with dropping presents in. And if there was any issue there, even if they were left in a room for a day uh, in advance or a day and a half in advance, um, you know, that could still, be, could still be provided. So, no, there's no issue at all with, with, um, with, with, with gifts Okay. Or, or, or presents or uh, anything like that. And a final question. Maria says, is Ty hopeful that nursing home residents will be the first for the vaccine when it becomes available? And if so, would that allow unlimited visiting if everybody in the nursing home was vaccinated? Yeah, hope, I'm, I'm even more than hopeful because Nursing Homes Ireland is sitting on a working group at the moment, working with government on the rollout of the vaccine. And the, the information I've seen to date is that uh, residents and healthcare workers are on the priority list. And from from your listener's point of view and, and your caller, I can also say that we've we've written to Minister uh, Donnelly on Friday last, suggesting or not even more than suggesting, requesting that uh, visitors would also be on that priority list. Because if you had uh, maybe not all visitors, but even two visitors in the in the early stages, so yeah, I'd be hopeful that when the vaccine rolls out, we'll be back to uh, maybe not normality uh, quickly, but definitely a sense of normality uh, as we as we. Um, roll out the vaccine early early in, in 2021 hopefully Okay Alright listen I'm watching the clocks I know you need to be gone by half past thank you for I that do. Thank you indeed. and uh, thanks, as o- thanks as always for joining us uh, Good morning to you that is Tig Daly of uh, Nursing Homes Ireland with the news that residents will now be facilitated to receive up to one visit by one person per week under levels three and four and obviously we're under level three at the moment so between now and Christmas you'll get one visit or your loved one you'll be able to visit your loved one one visit per week and I'm assuming whatever we needs to do you need to now liaise with the nursing home where your loved one is a resident because as Tyke said you can't just open the door on Christmas Day and let everybody have their one visit so they're going to have to schedule times and days that to, to facilitate you that you know that suits you and that also suits your uh, loved one so certainly that's a bit of good news because think people were were very, very upset about the thought that they wouldn't be able to get to see a loved one, particularly in the run-up to Christmas. 1850 333103. Jer in Ahada is on about a TV programme. I was on about the... um, the undoing that I watched last night that I've been watching for the last, was it four weeks or was it six weeks? It was on, on Sky Atlantic, which I absolutely loved with Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. I thought it was just a wonderful programme, even if I was a bit annoyed with the ending. But then when I thought about it, isn't that, you know, endings, the programmes don't always end the way we want them to end. I, I was hoping for more of a twist, which I didn't get, but it was a super programme. The uh, undoing, if you haven't seen it, it is worth well worth watching. But a programme I have recorded to watch was a programme that was on last night on, it was on RTE I think after the nine o'clock news and it was a programme about the famine in Ireland and Jer in Ahada watched it and he's wondering did many other listeners watch the programme. It's the uh, the great it's the great hunger programme um, on the Irish famine. He wonders what do people make of it. He said it's hard to believe that the British government at the time let one million Irish people starve while food was being produced in this country and then leaving the ports of Ireland to feed the British Empire while Irish people were 
were uh, starving. Uh, Ger said, I found it really upsetting the programme to watch last night. Uh, our population never returned to what it was uh, pre-famine. No, you're right, it didn't. It was something like 8 million, wasn't it? 8 million people lived in this country before the famine. So, yes, I, I, it's one of those programmes I can't say I'm looking forward to watching because I imagine it is a very upsetting programme uh, to watch. But it's a, a programme that is yeah, absolutely worth watching. I think it's one of those prog- programmes that I wish that they were showing in the United Kingdom because you would be amazed when you talk to people from the UK, particularly younger people, you know, say young people were at school, they learn a completely different history to the history we learn. They don't speak about the famine, for example, in their history lessons. So they're completely unaware of what happened in this country. I think we're very aware, was very much part of our history lessons in both primary and secondary schools. So anyway, did anybody else watch it last night? Jaron Ahada found it very upsetting. Other people upset about the programme on the great famine, uh, the great hunger last night. Let me look at some of your thoughts uh, coming in when I mentioned about after six weeks of lockdown, countries bursting back into life today, retailers and businesses all over the country opening their doors and hoping that they that this will be their busiest lead into Christmas ever. And there's speculation that we're going to spend Retail Ireland are predicting 4.8 billion will be spent in the month of uh, December and research out yesterday is saying each household will spend at least €700 Euro more over the four weeks of Christmas than they would at any other time of the year. One listener says, sorry, Patricia, but not all people will be spending money. Remember, people lost their jobs over the pandemic and uh, I'm one of them. Oh, on my heart goes out to you. And listen, I absolutely accept that this from that side of it this is going to be a very difficult Christmas the whole going out and buying and getting presents and getting all the stuff you normally get at uh, Christmas is going to be so tough for so many people this year so listen my heart goes out to you and that's why the likes of groups like the Society of Vincent de Paul will help out so many people this year people who have in the past, normally being contributors of the likes of St Vincent de Paul will this year be in need of help. And I'm always saying to people, reach out, you know, please don't uh, struggle this year. If you need help, help is there because there is there is a cohort of people who haven't lost any money this year, who have managed to hang on to their jobs, who haven't seen, thankfully seen pay cuts haven't spent a lot of money this year because holidays were cancelled and people weren't weren't going to be able to go out and socialise. So there are people that have money and equally there are people that don't have money. So the people that have money, I think, are the ones that are going to be contributing to a lot of charities in the hope that those that have not this year will uh, benefit. So please, if you can help out any of the charities, there's a lot of the supermarkets now as you're leaving, as you're going through the tills, you'll see this collection boxes for food so they can make up hampers and stuff. So please be as generous as you can if of course, if you are able. Hi Patricia, so good to hear you talk about miscarriage and fertility issues. The pressure that couples are put under with flippant comments from people, it can really cut to the bone when you're in such a vulnerable place. Please don't read out my name, I won't, but I can I can feel your pain jumping out through that uh, text. Yeah, people just really need to stop and think before they make comments that they might think are funny or it's just something to say. You never know. You never know what's going on in other people's uh, lives. Hope you're keeping well. Uh, Jim says, Patricia, this is on the email in or the 
call that came in to people watch the programme last night on the Great Hunger that was on RTE about the famine. Jim says it's disgraceful what the English did in the time of the famine and no wonder why the Irish and half the world have a dislike for their behaviour and the way they overtook parts of the world. That's from Jim. On the programme on the famine says another texter, it was very upsetting. The English really let Ireland down. They didn't want to know us. Ironic now, isn't it, that some of those people have no problem getting an Irish passport now that they've exited Brexit. Some of the English people are very proud of their Irish roots so they can get an Irish passport. And Mary says, Patricia, I also watched that programme on the famine. It was disturbing. But I was aware of a lot of the facts. Made me think why we as a nation are so giving of our money to famine-stricken countries as we've been through it. Our ancestors have been through it before. I made sure that my teenagers and my older children watched it too. It's important that we remember says Mary, how right you are that we never uh, forget. So well done for making the other family members uh, sit through it as well. But you're right, it probably is one of the reasons why we are, as a nation, always so generous when there's any kind of, we look after our own, didn't we do it on the toy show with the 6.4 million that was raised in a couple of hours, an incredible sum of money. But Mary is right, whenever there are famines are any kind of catastrophes worldwide, the tsunami, any of those events that happen, earthquakes, etc. The Irish were always first up to the mark when it comes to donating. And sure, how proud was Bob Geldof and indeed all of us in Band-Aid when that all started and when that big massive fundraiser went on per head of population We the Irish. At a time when we didn't have a lot of money, we weren't in, during the Celtic Tiger for sure. It was back in the 80s. We didn't have a lot of money, but we all stepped up to the mark and gave what we could g- give to help out the people, the famine-stricken people at the time. It was in Ethiopia, wasn't it? And and I think, yeah, I think Mary is right. I think somewhere in our DNA, we know that our own family went through it and we relied on aid that came from other countries. Wasn't it the Indians? Wasn't it one particular um, Native American Indians were one of the first to send aid. Again, they were a group of people who didn't have a lot of the time, but they saw the need in another country and got aid uh, to us. So at least you know, that we will never forget and that's why programmes like that are so important. So thank you for that. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Bear with us. He's on his own answering the phones today and they are a bit busy so do bear with bear with us if you're having delays getting the phones answered. You can text or WhatsApp though 0862 103 103 and a lot of you are emailing as well. We love to get your emails Patricia at c103.ie even though I'm looking at a lot of the emails, emails and they're coming in through info which is fine. You can also send to it. It comes directly to us here as well. Info at c103.ie Court today on C103 With McCroom Motors Leading the way for Toyota hybrids The place to order your 211 Toyota See McCroomMotors.com Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie from Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between. We've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. In an act that has been described as heinous and criminal, two horses were released from their paddock in Ballynoe and driven out onto an extremely dangerous road. To talk more, I'm joined by the horse's carer and that's Fanula O'Callaghan. Good morning to you, Fanula. Good morning, Patricia. Now, thankfully, both horses are OK and not injured. But can you outline what you believe happened? Yeah, well, on the morning of Saturday, the, the 21st of November, 
Saturday before last in the early hours of the morning. I'd normally go and check in them. I'm only living less than two miles from where they're kept. Um, I did receive um, a message from the, the landowner that there was a report of horses having broken out or being out or out loose. So I was on my way over anyway. When I, I got over to the field, the first thing that concerned me was the three wires into their paddock had been let down and the gate was open and there was no sign of the horses. So um, they were eventually tracked down to an area called Art Glass Cross, which would be, I don't know, about a couple of kilometres um, uh, up the road heading towards Dungorny. Now, the thing that really concerned me was that it would have happened in the early hours of that Saturday morning. I would imagine between maybe six and seven, the horses were quite evidently shunted out onto that extremely dangerous road. That's the Castle Lines to Dungoni Road. Now, luckily at that hour of the morning and because of the lockdown, perhaps there wasn't as much traffic there. But the horses were then hunted down towards our glass cross direction, towards Dungoni, around an absolutely treacherous bend. Now, just off that bend would be the turning off our, our home place. And it really bothered me that they didn't, you know, naturally they would have come down that route because that's the the route they're most familiar with. But they were, they just seemed to just continue traveling along that, uh, towards that main road until fortunately some oncoming motorist was alerted to the fact that they were there in the middle of the road and he called the guards and a couple of the residents then came out to help capture and secure the horses um, I, I'm just devastated. And you are convinced, Fanula, that this was a deliberate act. This, yes. th- in no way could the horses have broken out themselves. No, no it was three through, through three secure wires and then a heavy iron gate, which I can't even open unassisted on my own. That was pulled open. Had the had one wire come down and the you know they were just left. I mean, it, it's a, an area of um, about 17 acres. They were up at the the top end, the castle lines end, shall we say, had they broken out of that paddock, and that would have been through two wires, they would, nothing would have driven them out into the road because they would have had another 14 plus acres of really nice grass to gorge on. So they wouldn't have been leaving that in a hurry. Mm. So it was a fact then a third wire was released and the gate was opened and they were then shunted out. And as I said, quite a distance for them to travel and it was that blind bend that you know it was so so dangerous that um whoever did this patricia had the intent to either damage the horses me as the the horse's carer i would be held culpable if um should anything have occurred which fortunately didn't but i suppose the thing that's keeping me awake at night is the fact that had some oncoming motorist or pedestrian collided with these horses, what the consequences could have been. And I'm baffled as to what reason anyone could have done, you know, what what deviant criminal psychopath. As to why, yeah, as to why. And you're putting an appeal out to anyone who might have dash cam footage. I mean, a lot of people are driving around with their cars with dash cams on. Yes. Now, as I say, this would have occurred in the early hours of Saturday, the 21st of November. Now, it was quite dark. By the time I came upon the horses, which would have been about quarter to eight, it was 
um, a lot brighter. But if they were travelling either from Castle Lines to Dungoni or from Dungoni to Castle Lines along that that uh, road, the the entrance the area is called Baron Barafahona, and there is a little um, entrance just opposite the horses paddock, there's an entrance to the woods there. If anyone noticed anything suspicious in that area, or if they know, have any idea why this, uh, as I have described it, heinous and criminal act was carried out, could they please come forward with any information to the Ballyno, Fomoy or Middleton Gardaí? My fear, Patricia, is and because it's not the first time they're fencing was tampered with and this is the reason we moved them to what we believed was you know far more secure grazing um i feel that they're going to strike again maybe not in the form of releasing the the horses but i just um you've installed cctv though now haven't you uh, we uh, when they're back at ECI i alternate them between the home place which is covered with cctv but there's not enough grazing here so we have to alternate them between here and you know while the, the weather was still mild to the grazing out along that area and you know it's it, it, yeah we have as much security as we can in, in in place there currently but you know as we know it's not um it's not criminal proof and uh, as i say my my concern is that the perpetrator will strike we'll again yeah how do yeah. these horses end up under your care fanula well, one is a beautiful little ex um, racehorse, Fly Along, who I borrowed and refused to give back because he, I just fell in love with him. And he, you know, he's past his ra- racing days. I do a bit of gentle hacking on him, and the owner's quite happy for him to be in my care. And then I, I got Snooky from the Victor Dowling um, Rescue Centre as a companion. Now, Snooky was, uh, you know, like a lot of animals entrusted into their care, she wouldn't have had the best. Um, upbringing but it's taken me years for to you know for her to become the pet that she is now and that's why you know for anyone to have you know done that to them you know hunting them along to enable them to bolt blindly along this road and on a dark on a dark evening it was a, it was a mo- it was actually the morning time morning Patricia. time okay morning, but it, but it was dark foggy, pitch black it was wet yeah. absolutely it was very foggy it was raining so the visibility was was really poor um so anything could have happened and i i'm just thank god the universe whoever was looking out for them that that nothing no danger came to them or more importantly to to somebody else who may have and the horses themselves are okay were they spooked by it all or? They, yeah they, they were they were very spooked yeah um, yeah yeah bless but, god help them okay mm. they're doing okay now though that's, that's they're fine that's now the they, good are. News. Okay. they are so fine. it was Saturday the 21st of November in the early hours of Saturday the 21st that's right if okay. anyone has any information any dash cam footage noticed anything suspicious in the area or knows of anything of this crime I would just urge you to come forward, please, okay. and uh, submit any information okay. that you have. Look after yourself, Fanula, and thanks, uh, so thanks, much, Patricia. thanks for joining us. Uh, good Thank morning you to you. Much. That is uh, Fanula O'Callaghan. Eighteen fifty-three, three, three, one zero three. Why somebody would even consider such a senseless, stupid act? 
and what could have happened now thankfully it didn't but my god it doesn't bear thinking what could have happened uh, what kind of an accident could have uh, occurred it's just the mind boggles why people would even uh, consider doing that but a listener is saying can't understand uh, why cinemas allowed to reopen and yet bingo bingo is still not allowed to go ahead and yet you know, in cinema, they can socially distance uh, people. A lot of bingo players are saying the same thing. You could have a large hall for bingo. You could make sure that everybody is two feet apart, that you could socially distance. So I'm assuming that a number of people will agree with uh, our listener. They are very upset that bingo is still not allowed to go ahead, yet people can go to People can go to the cinema, but not to the bingo hall. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Somebody's saying, how do we know that Level 5 has worked? Well, there's actually figures just out from the ECDC and it shows that we here in Ireland now have the second lowest 14-day incident rate in Europe for COVID-19. So Level 5 certainly has worked. The three lowest are, and how they base the 14-day incident rate is per 100,000. How many cases per 100,000 of the population? Uh, Iceland are doing the best. They have 53 per 100,000. We're second from the bottom. Ireland 88 per 100,000 and Finland have 96 per 100,000. And when you contrast that with the highest three countries in Europe, according to the ECDC, top of the pile is Luxembourg. They are standing at 1,210 cases per 100,000. That's absolutely mind-boggling numbers. Croatia's next is 1,040 per 100,000 and Slovenia 977 per 100,000. So we can take some comfort from the fact Level 5 has worked as we head into Level 3 and of course it's all personal responsibility from here on. Okay, we're having a bit of an issue with our text message and our WhatsApp. So if you have been sending texts and WhatsApps, I'm not ignoring you. Uh, The guys in IT are working on the issue and we'll hopefully have them back up and running in the next... uh, 10 minutes so I'm not ignoring you I will get to your comments uh, I promise you but some of the comments that are in on the famine programme from last night Dan in Ballinhasic said there was plenty of food in Ireland at the time and that's the one thing that this programme clearly showed last night so that wasn't a famine it was a genocide said Dan and Willie is saying much the same we are educated people in Ireland we shouldn't be discussing this or talking about it as a famine we should be calling it out for what it is at genocide and I remember my niece uh, who was over in the UK was in at a history class she was about 16 at the time and they were studying for or what would have been kind of their A-levels, which would be like, it's equivalent, isn't it, to our leaving search. And anyway, they were in a history class and it came up about genocide in some other part of the world was what they were discussing. Some other country where genocide had happened and they were discussing this, and you know, young teenage boys and girls saying how dreadful, how awful that is and, you know, how some countries are really bad when it comes to genocide, etc. And mind these happened to say, well, hang on a tick. What happened in Ireland with the famine? You know, was that not genocide? And of course they were, so what are you talking about? And her history teacher said, OK, I'm going to stop down the class and I'm going to give you a 20 minute history lesson that you won't read about in any of the history books that you have studied. And he went on to talk about the famine and explained what happened to this group of young students in the UK who were gobsmacked because they had heard nothing about it and he at the end of his 20 minute shortened version of what happened in the Great Hunger in Ireland said 
Yes, and you're right. It was genocide. It wasn't a famine. It was genocide. And that was from a history teacher in the UK. But as I say, it's it's just not taught in the United Kingdom. But anyway, that programme, I haven't seen it yet, but it is on the player. or you know, Maybe you've recorded it, but certainly people seem to have been very upset by the programme uh, last night. 1850 Sarah on um, posting items to Australia said, I sent, says... I sent a registered envelope to Perth. I posted it on the 22nd of October and they got it yesterday morning on the 30th of November. So it took over a month to get there. Sarah said, I was beginning to think that it was gone missing and it ended up in somebody else's hand. My son and daughters with families in Perth. Very relieved. And obviously it's the Christmas presents have arrived or the little bit of Ireland that's arriving. How many people will be sending back Bags of potatoes is the big one in our family when we're sending anything abroad. You have to always fill up the parcel with bags of potatoes. And actually they're great because they almost act like a packing inside in a package and they don't weigh that much. And I'm assuming there'll be bags of potatoes and packets of Barry's tea because God, when you're away from Ireland, there's nothing like a packet of Barry's tea. What else do you send if you're sending parcels to loved ones this Christmas? What are they looking for? Dairy gold chocolate can also be a big one. Is there anything else I'm missing off the list? Or is there something in your particular family that if you've got loved ones abroad and you're sending something, you're trying to send a taste of Ireland for Christmas, what are you putting into that package? 1850-333-103. And Margaret's looking for a little bit of help. Baby had a bit of an accident on the bed wet the bed basically uh, they're trying to get rid of the stain the, it's an expensive mattress and they've done everything but they can't get rid of the stain now, obviously the smell has gone but it's the stain that's left behind you know that urine stain on a bed on an expensive mattress has anybody any suggestions of what item can Margaret use now I'm assuming it's well dried in at this stage so it's just the stain is left what item can you use on a mattress that will remove I mean I would straight away think of bleach I'm a great advocate for the bleach but the bleach of course will take the stain away but it will also discolour the mattress and if it's an expensive mattress I take it back it doesn't want to be using bleach and not everybody likes the idea of using bleach because there is a smell that would eventually disappear but there is that initial smell of the bleach Uh, anybody any of those stain devils anybody ever used one of those on a, a urine stain on a mattress, 1850 333103. And an email in to us from Eamon. And this is something we touched on yesterday, but I'm, I'm happy to bring it back up again because uh, Eamon seems quite worried about this and says, I'd love, Patricia, for you to discuss this and get the views of other listeners. It's to do with the All-Ireland Finals, the upcoming All-Ireland Finals. They are massive for the counties who are partaking in the finals and in boosting their spirits. But whoever wins cannot, simply cannot be allowed to celebrate. It's going to be extremely difficult to contain especially when you look at Limerick and Waterford who have big populations. And can I say, I was looking at the figures, you know, from around the country, county by county to see, I always check in to see how Cork is doing. And both Limerick and Waterford have seen 
large spikes when it comes to COVID-19. When you look at the different counties, they're not some of the counties that are doing well. They seem to have a problem with COVID-19. So if you have a Limerick win or a Waterford win, could it cause uh, problems? Uh, And Eamon is also talking, what about Dublin? They're also in the football and Dublin, as we know, has the highest COVID cases by far of the country. GAA has a massive responsibility to the country here in telling every club and every member not to party not to celebrate and not to gather for the final or for any kind of a victory parade. If the GAA aren't responsible, we could see a huge upsurge in cases as a direct result of the All-Ireland football and hurling finals this year. Well, I can tell you, Eamon, that key figures from both Limerick and Waterford hurling setups are going to be asked to take part in a publicity campaign and the publicity campaign is going to call on fans not to congregate and not to celebrate in any way for the All-Ireland Final on Sunday week. The GAA will be reminding supporters about personal responsibility following the lack of social distancing among teams and supporters that happened at many of the county finals in September and in early October. And of course, county final celebrations, the evidence is there, had has been linked to a number of COVID outbreaks and there's fears now of similar scenes in the coming weeks. There is a strong possibility that the Lee McCarthy Cup will not return to the winning county until a later date and they're not expected to be any official homecoming events. As a COVID measure, provincial councils have been retaining cups following their recent finals and in 2018 Limerick insisted at the time you may remember this that the cup not be brought into any public house or nightclub in the county at the time because they didn't want that kind of celebration going on but it looks like even if they win they're not going to get their hands on the Lee McCarthy except on the day it'll be presented but they won't be allowed to bring it back to either Waterford or to Limerick. Any All-Ireland title is of course cause for celebration but particularly with this unique final pairing as Waterford haven't claimed the Lee McCarthy Cup since 1959 when Limerick's fan base is known as one of the strongest in the country. The Minister for Health Stephen Donnelly has stressed that there cannot, there absolutely cannot be a repeat of the scenes following sub, some club finals particularly now that we know that what happened with those club finals people went out and celebrated and because of that the knock-on was an increase in COVID uh, cases. It needs to not happen, he said on Sunday week. The GAA, he said, I think is taking this very seriously and measures have already been put in place. And I know yesterday when we touched on it, somebody was making the point, you can't really blame the GAA here. The GAA will do their best at the actual match. People aren't allowed in. There's a limit on the numbers that can even travel with the team. So they'll they'll do all of that. But it's what happens afterwards and people get so passionate about their county team winning and particularly if they haven't won for many, many years and that's what is going to happen this year. It's teams who are involved that haven't been in a final before. So you can imagine the sense of excitement in the build-up. That certainly will be there but it's what's going to happen after the match and what's going to happen with any kind of uh, celebration in the actual winning county. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls today or if you want to text our WhatsApps, I've just spotted the text and WhatsApps are back up and running now so you can text our WhatsApp me please to 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroommotors.com. Come.
Now, major global online retailers are not contributing towards the one million euro a year it takes to recycle their packaging, which, no surprise to hear, has grown by 25% in 2020. Seamus Clancy is CEO of the non-profit environmental organisation Repack. And uh, Seamus uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Seamus. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're, nice you're, to talk to you. Well, you're very welcome to the programme. Firstly, to try and start with some of the positives. Do some of the global retailers play their part by becoming accountable for their pa- the packaging that they generate? Absolutely. Uh, like We had a call out like this at the same time last year. So Amazon have come on board, ASOS have come on board, uh, and believe it or not, uh, Boohoo came on board this week as well. Uh, and these large companies have recognised their environmental responsibility and social responsibility, uh, given that they are actually placing a huge amount of packaging on the Irish market. Whilst legally they have no responsibility to actually contribute, they know it's the right thing to do. And I suppose as part of, you know, Cyber uh, Monday um, or Black, Black Friday and Cyber Monday, we're calling on all the other businesses who haven't contributed are not contributing uh, that they shouldn't have to wait around for legislation to be put in place. They should be re- doing the right thing. You know, the likes of the Fraser Group, Sports Direct and Jack Wills and School Fix and Wish and Shine and Light in the Box and M&M Direct and Under Armour uh, have actually been in touch with us. We're delighted to say. Great. Uh, so, you know... So naming uh, naming and shaming has worked, Seamus. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Patricia. And, like, you know, but, but we shouldn't have to do that. And... Um, and also, I suppose, as uh, the government itself are going to bring in legislation, but companies like this that are, are global leaders in their own space uh, so, yeah, should, so be doing, should, be, should be doing the right thing. They shouldn't be forced into it. So once I've mentioned there to you, we're calling out to them for them to do the right thing as well, because uh, they need to support the effort. Repack is there to protect, you know, we've 3,400 businesses uh, under our wing. And uh, we want to protect those businesses and the Irish businesses and to make sure they're all on a level playing field. Uh, and and um, the public need to know that. Is there a lot of over-packaging of goods? Well, I think online, uh, believe it or not, during COVID has um, expanded or grown exponentially. Uh, and it's the one area that, uh, as the, the packaging compliance organisation for the country, protecting all online sellers because there is a significant amount of over-packaging no doubt, you know, you think about it, uh, there'll be 3,000 tonnes of additional pay, uh, cardboard this year. That's 50, 15 million packages, nine per household. And you can see some very small goods being delivered in massive boxes with three and four and five different types of packaging on it. That's really unacceptable, uh, given that we're in a, uh, try, trying to work within an environmental context of minimising and reducing packaging uh, and everything else we do. So, yes, there's a huge amount of overpackaging. No incentive, though, on those companies to reduce the packaging, is there? No, until such time as they start declaring their um, the, 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 the volumes they're putting on it. In Ireland, all our members, they report to us twice a year the total volume that they place on the market in terms of packaging, and they pay fees relative to the packaging they place on the market, which we then use to subsidise the recycling bin outside your front door, all the bottle banks in the country, all the civic community sites. So they are paying relative to what they put in the market, where these global online players are not. And we're asking them to do the right thing and contribute equally and create a level playing field for all businesses in Ireland. 
And also, yeah. at the end of the day, doing the right environmental thing. Yeah, and I know during lockdown I bought it was an electrical item and I was absolutely thrilled to see it arrive in its own packaging, which was already very securely packaged, with just an, a label with my address put on the front. Yeah. Because there was no need for any additional packaging because when it came, it was already well packed in, in the box. It was an Irish company that did it and I just thought that's what more companies should be doing. And, and that's, that is all coming down to what we call the polluter pays principle. Irish companies are embracing the changes necessary for online as well and only using uh, necessary packaging um, in repack. That's the message we keep driving all the time because the more packaging you put on, the more you're going to have to pay us, the more that we're going to actually have to put in to collect that material that goes on the market that's collected outside your door every week. And then... We ourselves as individuals, we all have a role to play. I mean, reusing is is one. When I mentioned earlier you were coming on the programme, I was saying what I certainly started doing this year because obviously I'm not getting to see as many people over Christmas. So I'm going to be posting a lot of Christmas presents this year. So I've been trying to hang on to any box that I've received and I'm going to reuse reuse that instead. Well, in Repack, we're big advocates Christmas time of, of, of the reuse uh, program. So even the, what you got last year, make you sure you put it away in storage and use it for packaging the following year. And don't throw away unnecessary packaging that you can actually reuse. Like a typical would be, you know, bags if you're, you, say, you get a, gifts of drink, for instance, and you put them in a paper uh, folders. They can all be reused. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the same with um, uh, a lot of different packaging that you can, particularly for presents. The amount of uh, paper wrapping that will be thrown out this Christmas is just phenomenal. Whereas if it's actually taken off, well, why not reuse it again the following year? So there are many examples uh, that that can happen in, you know. I saw a gorgeous idea on social media last year of somebody using just plain brown paper to wrap up Christmas presents yeah. and then they decorated them with, with things and made it, it made, you know, made it look really sort of festive. But then I also saw somebody who used newspaper, actually used newspaper to wrap up presents. It was all the same. It was going to be ripped open anyway. Absolutely, I suppose it depends on what rocks your boat. But you don't, even if you go back to the 40s and 50s, it was bomb paper that was used all the time yeah, yeah. for wrapping paper uh, presents. But I think we all got caught up in consumerism and what looks nice and feels nice and all the rest. And that's not necessarily what's needed. It's the thought of what goes into what you put into the presents, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Not, not as how it's wrapped. Cause yeah. they, you said the, the wrapping comes off so quickly. And straight into the but bin. But then uh, what, the we, of, what we end up then having to dispose of, make sure we're, re, we're recycling that in the proper bins. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the critical thing. At the end of the day, look, there, there are, the, the operators throughout this country are doing a great job. Right through our code, they've done an excellent... Having, having kept a waste service open in Ireland, we're, we're one of the few countries in Europe in the first lockdown. So please... I'm saying to the public, please do the right thing. Keep it clean, keep it dry, keep it loose. And at Christmas time, there will be additional um, packaging and everything needed. So all good operators in the country, they will take the additional stuff, leave it beside your bin, preferably in it. And if there's too much, even hold it for a bit. But just be conscious of the fact that there will be huge uh, amount of generation of waste over Christmas. And think of the people at the other end as well that have to manage that when they take it away from you. So... Do the right thing, keep it dry, clean, keep it dry, keep it loose um, and make sure you try and reuse as much as possible. Don't throw away things that you know can be used again just for the sake of it. 
and I think because we all unfortunately are buying more online this year Seamus we're all seeing that our recycling bins are fuller every two weeks and we're putting them out than they normally have been even before Christmas has arrived Oh absolutely I suppose the one thing about the online you know we're saying as well please shop local if you can support Irish business first and foremost uh, and if you are buying from overseas in particular online um, retailers make sure they're the ones that are you know, contributing to the recycling effort uh, this year and hopefully into the future as well. Okay, And then the actual recycling bins themselves, the bottle banks in particular, Seamus, we, and certainly it'll happen at Christmas, but we, we have a tendency to have, have had a number of calls in throughout the year about it. the frustration when people go to put their bottles and the bottle banks are full. Yeah, well, it's a, like one of the big, one of the core issues here is to make sure if they are full and don't leave bottles just around, just come back again. At Christmas time, there is an increase in the service level as well and the amount of collections. But nobody can predict, you know, that when there, there is a huge spike. So you will see that over the Christmas period, in the main, uh, service levels are increased. Uh, we saw that actually at the during the first lockdown, the volumes went through the roof, nearly 100% increase in collections. So we expect the same thing at Christmas and it's been planned for accordingly. There's roughly 1,900 bottle banks in the country. Um, uh, we, we have a lower density than other countries, so we need to increase that as well to one bottle bank per thousand. At the moment, we have one bottle bank for every 2,400 people. So there's a, there's a shortage of infrastructure as well, of which uh, we're promoting and, and supporting, putting more of those in place uh, in the year ahead as well. So... I think it's a matter of people being patient as well. Don't don't just dump it for the sake of beside the bins and the evening, creating big uh, litter and all the rest. You know, if it's if a bottle bank is full, you know, bring it back home again and uh, wait till it's emptied. But in the main, the service is generally very good in this country, and we have one of the highest recycling rates of glass in Europe. We're well over eighty percent, and that's thanks to the great work the public have done, uh, and. and embraced. Bottle banks were only introduced in Ireland in 2000 and at the year 2000. So since then we've gone from a very, very low recycling rate to over 80% of glass. So that's a testament to how yeah. the public have bought into it. And we're the same in other materials in the household but we have plenty more to do. But don't, uh, don't we get don't we get some of our recycling wrong in what we put into the recycling bin? We think it's okay and it shouldn't be in the bin at all. Oh, Constantly, like they say, in the green recycling bin or the recycling bins inside your front door, contamination can be as high as 30%. Well, That's for people, like one of the biggest culprits of that is people putting food waste in the bin or leaving food in containers and putting it into the recycling bin or putting leaving liquid in, you know, milk, milk um, cartons, or, yeah. cartons or, uh, or juice or whatever. So look, that's why we keep saying the message, keep it clean, dry and loose. And if we can do that, that actually reduces contamination significantly. So that's what we're asking the public really to continue doing and, and, and to keep trying to improve it both at home, but also uh, if you're using city community sites or bottle banks. OK, and reuse, reuse, reuse. OK, uh, Seamus, this is a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. You too, Patricia. Good Thank morning to you. Bye-bye. That is a... Christmas. And a happy Christmas to you too. God bless. Bye-bye. That is uh, Seamus Clancy, who's CEO of the non-profit environmental organisation, REPAC. Uh, um, and let's hope that a lot of those other big 
the major global anti- online retailers who make a fortune out of this country by people buying things online that they will start contributing because it's you know it's, it's fair is fair they're making money out of delivering to this country and us buying items uh, from them and it's only fair that they should pay towards uh, some cost of the recycling of their packaging particularly this surplus packaging it, it frustrates me so much when I receive a package and there's too much packaging on it it's just there's absolutely no need for it and thank you for some people who are giving advice to Margaret who contacted us about the urine stain the baby peed on the bed and it's an expensive mattress and she just it's discoloured it and she's trying to get the how to get rid of the discoloration and some people are sending in suggestions somebody said tell Margaret to turn the matches upside down the stain will be underneath and you won't even know only Margaret will know Margaret will sleep on that expensive mattress knowing that the stain is underneath but that is one suggestion if she can't get rid of it Uh, tell that listener to buy go into Lidl and you buy a pre-wash spray that's available in Lidl Lidl pre-wash spray I find it Brilliant on stains, says this listener, and it only costs one eighty. So it's a, a not an expensive product. And Margaret swears by the old vanish. Spray the solution. Make sure that you spray it on thick. Dry it off and it won't damage the colour of the mattress, but it will remove the stain. That's the good old vanish. That's what Mary is swearing by. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text to WhatsApp 086-2103-103. And a listener says, I love brown paper wrapping. It looks so eco-friendly and I think it looks beautiful. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors. Leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCrewMotors.com. Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103. Hey, this is Nick. Just to let you know, Santa's coming to Cork. Santa Christmas calls are back on C103. Would your little one like to get a call back from the big man himself? Just head over to c103.ie forward slash Santa. Fill out the form and your kids could be getting a call back from Santa. Nick Richards on C103. Weekdays from 1 with Cork County Council. Discover the sparkle on your door doorstep by celebrating a real Cork Christmas. Find out more at corkcoco.ie C103. John in Cove is against gyms which reopened this morning. He said fine, the non-essential shops, the barbers, the hairdressers, all of those. He actually feels they're essential. He thinks it's right and proper that they open. But he said gyms, he's against gyms reopening. He reckons the government needs to look at that again. He's also against cinemas which are reopening from today. He feels they are two areas that he feels shouldn't have been reopened. The only thing I can tell you, gyms and cinemas, when they were open, there certainly wasn't any major clusters located with either cinemas. People are well spaced out and even gyms, they are well spaced out uh, as well. And the one thing I will say about gyms and probably cinemas as well, for people's mental health point of view, there are people who work out for their mental health and the idea of going to the gym so many times a week keeps their mental health where it should be. And, you know, guys and girls who regularly go to gyms are missed, have really missed out on them over the last six weeks. Now, some manage to do a bit of work at home, but it's not the same as physically going to the gym. So I'd be an advocate of the gyms and even for the cinemas, for the social side side of it. Not everybody wants to go to a restaurant and have a few drinks. There are people who love going to the cinema. It's their only social outlet. And again, you take away everybody's social 
whatever they like to do socially take it away from, away from them for some their mental health can be affected so I can kind of understand why the two of those have why they've decided to go ahead museums and art galleries as well are open today and I think all of them can be done with proper social distancing everyone having personal responsibility everybody giving everyone the space and the two metre you know making sure you're away you keep away from people wear your masks etc but um, thank you for your call Others might agree with you, Jim, and disagree with me. And people are entitled to that. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Julie has emailed the programme. Good morning to you, Julie. Good morning, Patricia. Now, my heart goes out to you. And can I just say at the outset, you're not the only one in this bit of a Mm -hmm. pickle this Christmas. There's so many other families who are not going to have everybody around the Christmas table this year because people can't get home. Mm -hmm. This is your daughter. Tell me what's going on. Um, Well, we haven't seen her for over a year. And um, of course, she's very homesick. And I'm I'm just wondering, I have an idea popped into my head there lately that... Say if I flew over, she's in Scotland, if I flew over to Scotland, meet her at the airport, not leave the airport, meet her there, come home the same day, what what do I have to do to do that? Do I have to isolate when I come back? Does she have to isolate? I mean, I've looked up websites, they give me no answers because for the questions I have, even Ryanair, um, I went on the Ryanair website, asked questions, but there was no answers. Um, so I'm kind of wondering... Can I do that? Do I need to isolate? Do I need to get tested? What do I need to do or can I do that? Well, you would be leaving the country even if only for a day. So you certainly would be, the advice from the Department of Foreign Affairs would be use self-isolate for, or you restrict your movements for 14 days when, when you come back. Like I knew you were coming on, so I did look up to see, you know, we were, were operating under this traffic light system. Mm-hmm. Some countries are orange, some countries are green, some countries are red. Scotland is, is, is one of these countries that comes under, it's grey, Northern Ireland is yes. the same. So yes. it's very hard to get information yes. on what you do with, with, with a grey yes, uh, country. Absolutely. Have you checked, uh, are there flights available that will get you in and out in a day? There are. Um, Aer Lingus, they're not flying from Cork until um, January, I think, or is it late December. Ryanair have two flights from Dublin, not from Cork, um, at, at, um, one on Saturday, no, one on Friday, I think, and one on Sunday. And I can come back the same day. One go, flight goes out at six, it comes back in the afternoon, I think. So you get a few hours uh, yeah. o- uh, over there. Yeah. And uh, your daughter doesn't hasn't enough time off work to come home and no. self-isolate? Four no, days, no. Yeah. So yeah. was her last trip home was Christmas? Was it last year? Before, yeah, it was actually, she wasn't home for Christmas last year, actually. Also, she missed Christmas last year yeah, as well. Yeah, and she, she's quite homesick now, with actually, yeah. And was she planning on coming for Christmas? Was yes, that the plan? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Has she, will she be, will she, who will she celebrate Christmas with in Scotland? I think, well, I think what she has done now is um, a couple of friends um, that she knows over, they're going to get together. Okay, so she won't be on her own. She, she won't, won't be, on, be on, her own. on her own, yeah. Okay. But she's, she's a type of girl, she's very emotional and she's very tied to home. Yeah. And I know she'll get, she'll be very upset. And, you know, so it would be lovely to see her. So I, I, I don't know, would it, would it be an option or not? I don't know. And as well as that, I could give her the presence as well on the day if I go, you know, so. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, we'll, we'll put a call through to the uh, Department of Foreign Affairs just to see. I'm assuming they'll, and would you self-isolate for 14 days for the sake of a day? Would I, you do that if you had to? 
I, if I had to, I would. Yeah, yeah. you would. Yeah, you're 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 willing to go to that length to get to mm-hmm. see your 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 baby girl, and I think a lot yes. of people will identify uh, with mm-hmm. you. And would she normally have been home during the year in normal circumstances? Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And would yeah. you have gone to see her in normal? I would, yeah. 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 It's it's yeah. yeah did you face do, very do, hard. do you FaceTime or Zoom or do you do you, do you get oh, video we fa- calls? Are we FaceTime? But I know I I because I, I know her. I know Christmas Day. I've even said to the rest of the family, do not be sending um, my daughter. Don't be sending her photographs or anything on the day because I know she'll be very upset on Christmas Day. Yeah, she'll just. Yeah. Yeah, it is and I'm sure a lot of other people would be in the same situation. Yeah, too. there are so many people mm-hmm. yeah. going through this struggle. And it's Scotland, it's, you know, it isn't that. It's different if it's in Australia and they're the mm-hmm. other side of the world. But it's it's a it's a probably an hour and a half plane it's only journey. An, it's not even no, it's, it's not, not even, even that. It's not even an hour. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, it's, I mean, you, you'd be up and down to Cork the same length of time. That you'd be over and back, you'd yeah, be over uh, there, yeah. Okay, yeah. so you are willing to do it, but you just, you need guidance on would you yes. need to get a test yeah. beforehand and if you got a test, I know with some of the countries, with the the green countries, are you can get a test and then it means if once you're negative that you can fly and then come back and you don't have to limit yeah. your movements, but with others they're saying no, you have to limit your movements. I we'll, know, they're also different. Yeah. yeah, okay, we'll, 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 get, we'll get on. It'll be costly to do it though, won't it, Julie? I know because I'm thinking if I have to fly, I have to go to Dublin, probably the flight is six o'clock. I'll probably have to go stay overnight, fly out in the morning. I don't know, do I have to get a test? Bef- I, can, I think I might be able to get a test at the airport. I'm not sure, but maybe I can get a test before I go. Yeah. At, I, I, I'm, you see, this is, I'm not sure. I need to kind of figure things out, you see. And, um, okay. I, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. Listen, hang in there and we'll get on to the Department of Foreign Affairs and we'll just see what advice they have to uh, offer. And you will have people with you for Christmas, obviously, will you? Yes, yeah. yes, I okay. will. Okay. I'll have the rest of the family, yeah. Okay. All right, listen, hang in, hang in there, okay? Okay. And look after you. So no problem, thanks, no problem. God bless. Right. And I'd say Julie is, God bless her heart, she's not on her own. I take it there are a lot of people listening to the programme this morning who know they're not going to have loved ones who normally would be coming home, who perhaps come home every Christmas, or people from far flung countries who like mightn't get home every Christmas, but were planning on coming home this Christmas. But uh, people are abiding by the rules and the regulations. They can't come because they don't, they're not able to self isolate for the two weeks and have uh, time at Christmas with their loved ones. So people are opting as the advice is stay at home this year. We'll see what the Department of Foreign Affairs suggest for Julie to do. 1850 Now the Irish Guide Dogs for the Blind are appealing for volunteers in the Bandon area. And to find out more, I'm joined by Emer Keneally. Uh, good morning to you, Emer. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. Now I was initially told you were looking for temporary boarding volunteers but I've now been told you have enough is that true? Well at the moment what we're doing is we had a great appeal on our to our Facebook page so through social media and at the moment we're working our way through those applications okay. now it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody is suitable because we do need certain criteria like an enclosed garden no children under five we do need people to be around for drop off and collection and for, to, you know, to, to fulfil that commitment of three to six months of minding the dog. So at the moment, we are working our way through the application. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see, do we have enough? Yes. But it is a great way to get involved, to almost have a dog without the full responsibility of yeah, having a dog. Yeah, you know just I mean? explain how temporary boarding works. Okay, so at, at the moment, 
um, because of COVID, as much as possible, we are trying to work from uh, certain areas outside of our centre. So we have two assistance dog instructors out in the Bandon area. And so they would walk their dogs during the day, train them to be assistance dogs. And so they would pick them up anywhere between sort of half eight, nine o'clock in the morning and then drop them back around four o'clock, Monday to Friday. And then at the weekend and the evenings, that person will be responsible for the dog. So we'd provide the food, all the equipment and the training. And then you're like the the temporary home for that dog while they're in training before they go out to their full-time home as an assistant dog. So the dog almost goes off to school for the day? They do. They go off to school or crash for the day, (laughs) yeah, to learn, um, you know, how to to fulfil those tasks to be an assistant dog. And normally with those, in, in normal times those dogs would be with you inside of the centre, is it? Yeah, they'd Ah. be in the centre. So we could have anywhere between sort of 80 to 100 dogs at the centre um, normally, but that's too many people coming in and out all the time because that would be, sometimes there'd be temp boarders, they would live around, you know, that HQ area and then they'd be going in and out, all the staff would be going in and out. So we've about 70 staff. So at the moment, staff are split up into areas. Some are still working from the HQ, but a lot of other staff are spread out between temp home areas. And is this so working, working out well? Is this working out well with the temp homes? It is. It's working brilliant. If you can, because especially people are working from home more at the moment. So people are at home at those times for us to drop and collect. And it's great for the dogs to be in that homely environment because it brings out the best in them. And you learn a lot about the dog in their normal home environment. So, you know, there's kids running around, you know, the chaos of life. Yeah, and we need yeah. we need to know that our dogs are prepared for that. It's brilliant. It's, it's it really is brilliant, and a huge benefit for the family. If you're thinking of getting a dog, and what's it like to live with a dog? Mm-hmm. It's a great way to get an introduction, isn't it? It's a great way because they're they're a year anywhere between a year old and a year and a half, so they've gone past that puppy stage, um, and also we provide all the training, so we'll we'll teach you the do's and the don'ts. Um, now you still get that part of experiencing the ownership because you are feeding them in the morning, you're bringing them out to the toilet, you want to see are the kids going to help clean up, um, hoover after the dog hair, um, and then you get the walks in the evenings and the weekends as well and the free running, so you get a lot of the positive aspects. So we would have obviously guidelines around having dogs in our house, so we wouldn't allow um, people to be giving them scraps or food okay. from the table or anything like that, and we have kind of the guidelines around the toys, you know, positive ways of playing with the toys so you're giving them good behaviour good good tips for life um, and we try to discourage kind of the use of footballs and tennis balls so they're not distracted out working um, they have their big comfy beds because we prefer them not to be up on couches um, you know just little stuff like that that actually would be good practices for people long term with their own pets absolutely absolutely on. and of course these dogs go on to become working dogs so that's why do. you've got to be so strict on the rules and regulations yeah, I mean, the, these dogs are obviously affected by our behaviour and so they learn right and wrong from us and so it's important that everyone that's working with them is is encouraging the best possible behaviour because they're going out to families who need these dogs to be well-rounded. You know, we don't want them to get into habits of, of jumping up or, you know, scavenging or anything like that. So we do ask people to stick to those rules, but also we give people lots of advice around that. So, you know, it's not don't do this, don't do that. We, we show them the positive ways of rewarding the good behaviour. Just like it's very similar to kids, basically. You know, you try to reward the right behaviour and have that to repeat. Then 
repeat behaviour so they know that's the right thing to do. Okay, are you looking for other types of volunteers? So other volunteers that we would have would be what we call puppy raisers. They're actually the people who have them from when they're eight weeks old up until a year old. That's a full-time commitment. We do ask at least one member of the family to be at home all the time. Then there's our breeding volunteers. So that is, again, a longer-term commitment. So a lot of the time you almost have that dog as a pet. So if it's a brood, they could be having litters of puppies in your family. Um, Or if it's a stud, they're unneutered. Um, so there's there's a few different ways that you can be involved to have a dog. Now, other ways people can do that, if they're not able to help by by having a dog in their home, they can maybe get involved with our car raffle where they can buy t- tickets online. We actually have Christmas trees for sale in the centre. Okay. Um, we have Christmas cards and calendars. Um, Alex O'Shea, I think you might have heard. I have, yeah, 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 great yeah. guy. Yeah, a very fit, fit man altogether. So he's doing a, um, like a virtual guide dog rover around the world in 80 days at the moment um, through his Just Giving page or his Facebook page. You can find out more about it. So he encourages people to get out and get fit and then to, to register their, their kind of distance. And then they make a donation. So at the moment, Rover is in India. They can see that. <laughs> <laughs> or they could sponsor a pup as a gift. And then other ways that's not involved with money is just if people are more conscious maybe of when they see a working dog. So you can notice that our working dogs, like we have blue jackets on our assistance dogs and they'll obviously see the handle and harness of the guide dog and just socially distance themselves, help out our clients by not trying to distract dogs, you know, making, I know they're beautiful, but, you know, not making kind of clicking noises or distracting them. Or, you know, if they see them walking through a park, try to put your own dog on the lead because actually that can be really hard then for our dogs. Um, stuff like not parking up on, on curbs and things. You yeah, know, there's simple yeah. things that doesn't cost anything for anybody. And the big one, and, and I know dog. we discussed this a, a few weeks ago on the social distancing. A, a guide dog for the blind doesn't understand social distancing. And obviously a visually impaired person doesn't understand how close they're going to be to somebody. So everybody else has a role to play. Exactly. And it would be sort of a similar situation for our assistance dog families because um, children with autism won't understand either. And so people just need to be the ones to to, to socially distance themselves yeah. and just to, to take that extra little bit of consideration um, for our dogs and our families. And that would be really appreciated. And actually, to be fair, everyone has been so brilliant and so supportive of our charity this year. Um, and so really have to be commended for that. Yeah, people are great, people are great. Jenny wants to know, outside of the Bandon area in the new year, will you be looking for temporary boarding homes in other parts of the county? At the moment, it is um, Glanmire would be one of the big areas we'd be looking. Um, so Ballancolic Bishopstown would be our regulars, um, and then Glanmire will be one of our new ones, and then Bandon. So at the moment, I mean, it could change. You never know. I mean, out myself, I'm out in the McCroom direction. I'd love to get more temperatures out there. But at the moment, I'm still working out this balancolic direction. All so. right. Well, let us know <laughs> in the new year. Word. Let us know <laughs> yeah. in the new year because there's a lot of people I think would love the idea of uh, helping you out. Listen, Emer, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And no uh, thanks, thanks for so joining us on the programme. Good morning to Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Emer Keneally there, a lovely lady. And she is with the Irish Guide Dogs for the Blind. 1850 333 103. 
103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And we're also taking your emails. Patricia at c103.ie. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors. Leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Don in Myrtleville was on to the programme this morning to say there are about 40 or more dolphins, he reckons, swimming around Myrtleville this morning. Don said he's never seen this before in the area. Has anybody else noticed it or any explanation as to why suddenly it seems like there's a large pod of dolphins in the Myrtleville area? He says they're more or less below Bunny Connells in Myrtleville. Anybody been out this morning and has spotted them? And of course, we can now travel around our beautiful county of Cork. The five kilometre restriction has been lifted and I don't know if that's why. Oh, well, Don lives in Myrtleville, so he, he obviously has had that on his doorstep all along. Anybody else noticed? And anybody has an explanation as to why? There are so many dolphins in Myrtleville uh, this morning. Thank you to Eleanor who was on about the pea stain on the bed for poor old Margaret. Eleanor says baking powder. A lot of these old sort of old remedies have a tendency to work. They were kind of things that our parents and grandparents did. Eleanor says baking powder is fantastic to remove uh, stains. You dust it onto the mattress and rub it in and it'll remove the stain. Another one's worth a lot of a lot of good suggestions coming in. Thank you for that, uh, Eleanor. And Christine in Roscarby, thank you for your call uh, earlier to the programme, Christine. Christine heard me talking about miscarriage and fertility issues and I was picking up on the interview that we did yesterday with the Miscarriage Association and the reason that we did that was because Meghan Markle, Meghan Markle, the Duchess of Sussex, came out last week in a New York Times piece and heartfelt piece where she spoke about and opened up about having a miscarriage in July and nobody knew that Meghan and Harry, Prince Harry had suffered a miscarriage in July and she spoke about it and just spoke about the heartbreaking, the pain that both she and Harry went through and also felt that we need to talk more about miscarriage and that there seems to be a taboo around it and that that women all over the world have miscarriages and the pain of it and they don't share it. It's almost like people don't want to talk about it. So it's it gets ignored and then it almost becomes a taboo subject and then that led to an email in from a listener saying how hurtful people can be without meaning to be hurtful and just some of the stupid things that people say and nobody stops to think what's going on in somebody else's life and that resonated with Christine. She's thrilled to hear that we're even discussing this whole issue of miscarriage and fertility and her own story was back in the 80s she lost a child and then a few years later she lost another child and at the time it was put down she was suffering with thyroid issues and then she was ended up diagnosed with um, Graves disease so she lost two little babies and she says the amount of people that would say to her at the time would you ever hurry up and have a child what's holding you back and she said every time somebody flippantly made the comment she said it was like somebody shot her somebody put a dagger through her heart because obviously for her own reasons she hadn't shared maybe with a lot of people that she had already lost uh, two little babies. Now thankfully and the good news and the happy ending to the story is she did go on to have children but that never takes away from the two little babies that uh, she lost but she said it's so good to hear the discussion happening she said for people like her and there are so many other thousands of other women Christine who will resonate with that and who will know what it's like to suffer the pain of a miscarriage and then or to be even going through different types of fertility 
issues and trying that desperate need to want to have a baby and not to be able to have a baby. It's so hard on so many women and on men and on men. And it was one of the things when I spoke with the Miscarriage Association that I mentioned yesterday because Megan in her piece deliberately mentioned Prince Harry and the pain that Prince Harry went went through. And I think sometimes when we're discussing things like miscarriage or even fertility issues, we forget about the men. I mean, there's men grieving for the loss of their baby, their sons, their daughters are the sons and daughters that they can't have because of fertility issues. So we mustn't forget the men either. But uh, Christine, hope you're keeping well and can we wish you a very happy uh, Christmas. Somebody said on the Dolphins, could you... Could you <laughs> Could you get who? who Don in Myrtleville. As somebody says, could you ask Don to have a look out for Fungi? <laughs> Maybe Fungi's left Kerry and he's moved to Myrtleville instead. And somebody else says dolphins are on their way to Dingle. Is is and is, is Fungi with him? God, there's a lot of funny people out there this morning. <laughs> Load of texts coming in. Fungi's still still on the miss list. Maybe he's one of the Myrtleville ones. You don't know. Even though Fungi seems to be a loner, and this seems to be a part of about forty dolphins. Maybe he's joined up with others wouldn't it be nice to wouldn't we love to have fungi here in Myrtleville I'm telling you when you look at the money that's been made out of fungi down in Kerry we'd certainly welcome him here to uh, Cork John and then other texts coming in to us John in East Cork says would you ever ask the Minister does he know what the real celebration of Christmas is all about the government and the media have totally forgotten about it and what is the true meaning of Christmas well I can tell you we'll be doing our bit tomorrow we're going to have one of our local priests uh, join us because obviously now as in from today people are allowed to go back into church to attend Mass priests can open up to say Masses again but again the the 50 person rule in the church seems to be in place but the complications and the logistics for parish priests and parishes for Christmas it's a real real nightmare so we're trying to find out locally what different priests are planning to do and how are they going to get around the large number of people who want to go to mass at Christmas I may not be able to get into the church because if it's if it's full, is it going to be first come, first served? Are they going to hand out tickets? Is it going to be done like a lottery? How are they actually going to do it? And then there's the other dilemma. There are people who only go to Mass once a year and they only go to Mass on Christmas Day and it's part of their tradition and it's something that they like to do and they won't darken a church until Christmas Day of next year. Do they have a right to be inside in the church on Christmas Day taking a seat perhaps from somebody who goes to Mass every single Sunday or in some cases goes to Mass every single day? Should the people who only go once a year take a back seat this year, watch Mass online and allow the seats for the very devout Catholics? It's going to be a moral dilemma for some, I can tell you. 1850-333-103 on posting and posting items and are people posting items abroad and are you getting them in the post quick enough? How long are they taking? Catherine says, I posted a package in Clonakilty. I posted it on Monday the 23rd of November, so yesterday week and it still hasn't arrived. It's for a destination in Cork City. The package contains important documents, says Catherine. OK, well, I certainly would be on to the post office ASAP. If it was important documents, did you register it by any chance? I would be getting onto the post office because we still have next day delivery and I've proven we've next day delivery because I've posted items out here from work that have arrived even only on Friday. We posted out those salmon Sioux books and a number of listeners contacted us on Monday to say that they had received them. So they got them certainly over the weekend. But then somebody only got theirs today. So others 
it's taking a few days. In some places, it's almost next day delivery. In other cases, it's taking two days. But a week and a day later, Catherine... I would be querying that. I would be getting on to your post office to see, can you find out what's gone on there? But hopefully if it's containing important documents, hopefully you have uh, registered registered it. And then we were talking about when you're sending a package to loved ones overseas. I was saying Tater Crisps is the one in our house that I'd always try to fill up the packet the, you know, the parcel I'm sending and I use the Tater Crisps almost like a packing inside in the parcel and get in as many as I can and it's always a big hit, particularly the family in Australia love the Tater Crisps. Even though you can buy them, this is the, they found a shop where you can buy them but there's nothing like the Tater Crisps arriving in the post from Ireland. I was wondering what other products, Barry's Tea is another must. Dan says, Bisto Gravy and Oxo Stock Cubes are always a, bit, a big hit. So I take it they can't be got abroad. Are they a very Irish thing? Bisto gravy and stock cubes. What else are you putting in your parcels that you are sending abroad? Uh, Please let us know. And a number of people are upset that bingo wasn't included in the list of things that are reopening when we know that cinemas, for example, are reopening. Harry is in agreement saying, can somebody please explain to me how a cinema can reopen today and we can't go and play a game of bingo. I cannot understand the difference between the two. Kitty agrees. What about my mental health when I was talking about the gyms reopening and how that's needed for mental health? I love my game of bingo. It's my only outing. I only go once a week and bingo's been gone since March, isn't it? No. They had the drive-in bingos. I wonder will anybody start up the drive-in bingos again? And Anne says, 100% agree with the people who are talking about the bingos uh, being not allowed and yet they're opening uh, cinemas. They should be opening the bingos as well. So there seems to be a number of people out there very much wanting, very much wanting their bingo uh, to uh, come back. Then we've got some people commenting on the programme last night on the famine that I opened up the programme with this morning. Jim says, I also saw that programme on the famine last night. It was definitely a genocide. It's no wonder that there's still a grudge against the English. They went into numerous countries around the world and thankfully have been ejected out of them. They are still carrying on much the same with Brexit by backtracking on the withdrawal agreement. Well, hopefully the Europeans will remain strong on that and nothing will be done to jeopardise the Good Friday Agreement or the withdrawal agreement. Anne says, Patricia, the programme on the famine was difficult, difficult to watch, but it's an important one to watch. I was thinking about my grandmother. My grandmother, Suzanne, was born in 1886, which was just 36 years after the end of the famine. The British government at that time failed us, the Irish, and they showed no sympathy, no humanity whatsoever, says Anne. Hi, Patricia, this is Catherine Glamire. I watched the programme on the famine and I also heard that the English don't like the Irish. Gosh, it was plain to be seen on that programme last night. Pat says history isn't taught to young people in England. The reason is because of what happened, not just in Ireland, but in other parts of the world. They don't want to face up to what they did in the past. And R from Mill Street says, Trisha, listening to you about the programme on the Irish famine. My mother was Irish, but I was brought up in the UK. When we went she moved over there to train to be a nurse and that's where I grew up. I knew about the famine as mum had told me about it. And yes, you're right, in school, no word was ever said 
about the famine. I must say, being half Irish and half English, some of the older generation here still have a problem with the English, whether it's from the troubles in the 70s or they just don't like the English. I don't know what it's all about. Thanking you, says R from uh, Mill Street. 1850-333-103. A Mill Street listener says, Patricia, I'm so sorry to hear that Carla Blake, the lovely lady that used to write a weekly column on, on country living and cookery for the Cork Examiner for many, many years has gone to her returnal home. I always looked forward to her lovely recipes every week. May she rest in peace, says a Mitchison listener. I was so saddened. I read it this morning. Did I, did I read it? She died in Spain. She was in her 90s. Lovely woman and was so popular with her column and in the Irish Examiner you write so thank you because it was one of those things I meant to mention earlier so thank you for sending in your text to remind me the lovely Carla Blakes and sadly no longer uh, with us may she rest in peace okay a quick look at some of your WhatsApps coming in morning Patricia shaving foam great for stains I use it on carpets amazing the the tips you get here on this programme never knew that shaving foam to get rid of stains on the All-Ireland and what kind of celebrations will there be after the All-Ireland finals morning Patricia don't you think whoever wins the All-Ireland be it Waterford or Limerick there won't be house parties do you not think there won't be house parties all over the winning county so by not giving them the cup which is what they're saying they're going to do they're not going to allow the winning county to bring the Sam McCarthy home it won't make any difference that celebration is still going or those celebrations are still going to go on and that's what Neffet is worried about what will happen it'll just spread the virus my children are members of gyms says this uh, uh, listener and they've been demented from the closure for the last six weeks I've watched it it's not good for their mental health wear a mask wash your hands we need to move on with our lives with this uh, virus think it's the right thing to do. And Julie, who joined us, who wanted to, who's thinking of, and we're trying to get the Department of Foreign Affairs, by the way, have sent us now to the Department of Health. She wants to fly to Scotland. She'll go over for the day, in and out. She can get an early morning flight out of Dublin, spend a few hours with her daughter, just not leave the airport, hand over her presence, spend some time with her because her daughter's homesick and then fly back. But she's wondering, so we're on to the Department of Health to see will she have to self-isolate uh, for 14 days. Somebody says, could, could that lady, could Julie not fly to a green country and get her daughter to fly to a green country and then spend a few days together would that not work it would but then I quickly took a look at the green list because if you've got a country from a green list you can fly to a green list country and you don't have to self-isolate or or do anything like that it's the the red the orange and the grey regions that you have to restrict your movements for 14 days the problem we have though listener Texter, there's no green countries at the moment. All of them are either red or amber or grey. We're trying to get the clarification on the grey country and the grey is where Scotland is at the moment. So there's nobody, there's no country in the EU in the green list and the green list is where over the last 14 days they have less than 25 cases per 100,000 and there's nobody near that because even when I was reading them out I think was it in the 70s was it Finland was was the top country but there's nobody near 25 so we don't have a green list there's no one in the green list uh, at the moment and a final text in this batch from Christy on the country moving from level five to level three my opinion is that the country should not have moved says Christy to level three today 
there may have been an issue around some pubs which could have been addressed through inspections and closing them down and revoking their licence but the so-called non-essential retail shops were all observing the recommended measures and they should not have suffered. They should have stayed open over the last six weeks. To me it seems to be defeating the purpose of level five knockdown for non-essential retail if they will now have extended opening hours up to Christmas. If they had been allowed to stay open says Christy all along there would be no need for all of these extended opening hours. The extended opening hours is putting more pressure on staff working longer hours and you know something Christy I read your text and I thought you are so spot on. If we had allowed all of those what they deem the non-essential shops if they'd all stayed open after the last for the last six weeks and all of them were doing social distancing any of those smaller shops I was in there was queues outside there was only so many allowed in people were in and out did your business and you were gone and if they'd allowed them to trade for the last six weeks we wouldn't have this manic amount of buying now that's going to go on between now and Christmas and talking of all of that manic buying as the retails, uh, retail opened up today Fiona Corcoran our senior news reporter went out on the streets of Cork City earlier to get the reaction of shoppers and shop owners um, Fiona says uh, wearing, she also discussed wearing ma- Fiona uh, wearing masks in case some of the when you hear some of these they might sound a bit muffled it's because everyone that she was speaking to was wearing masks it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. For obvious reasons, she firstly spoke to some of the people who were out shopping this morning. Oh, that's grand. It's good. It's good to see it back. Fantastic. It's great. Great for the mind. <laughs> Couldn't wait for it to open. That was fantastic, yeah. And you're here in Michael Guiney's. What are you coming in to get? I came in to get an elf, actually. <laughs> but uh, he's actually stuck onto the reindeer, so... <laughs> I'd have to get the two if I want the elf. <laughs> Yeah, I would be conscious of of being like in crowds. I'd be very conscious of it. So I just said, I come today, get it over and done with. Don't have to come again after that, which is good. It is actually because I thought like there'd be a lot of people um, 
you know, being the first day open, but I'd say a lot of people were thinking just leave the crowds off, so it's actually worked in our favour. Do you watch online shopping? No, I didn't. I did a bit, but uh, I'd be a bit scared that I'd get too used to it. <laughs> I would like, so yeah, no, I'd, I'd stay away from that. <laughs> I love coming into town anyway. It's, 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 it's a day out for me. Like, it's get into the, the atmosphere and the feel of it, like, it's brilliant. I am delighted. Thank God I was ever inside in town so early in my life. <laughs> what time did you come in at? Oh, I think about quarter past eight, I'd say, yeah. I finish with pennies now and also. You miss having them open, especially oh, this yes. time something for do. Like, even to go out the house, like, do you know? Like, we've been locked down for so long that we can't do nothing, like, really. Like, it's just to get out and do something, do you know? Yeah. And are you a little bit worried about coming into town with crowds and stuff, or are you okay? I'm not. I'm fine. I'm fine. I just want to keep my distance, I'd be grand, you know? Yeah. So hopefully all goes well. We'll be back in again tomorrow, I'd say. We'll be able to drag everything today, like, so come with the family tomorrow, so, you know, yeah. And did you do any online shopping? I did. Loads. <laughs> I've loads, really. I've loads, yeah. So I'm forgetting what I'm buying for her and who I'm not buying for, so, yeah. And is it really, like, Christmas decorations that you're buying now today? Or Christmas decorations today, yeah. 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 More. <laughs> More for the attic. It really is brilliant, and I'm not a shopper, but I did miss them. <laughs> no. What, uh, like, what are you in for today? Well, I actually came in to get jeans in Burn Thomas that I couldn't get online, and then I ended up going into pennies getting quilt and pillows. <laughs> I'm going back to the car now because I've only two arms. I just thought town was dead. It was like a ghost town. It was eerie, like so, just to have a bit of life around the place. And this huge Christmas atmosphere today, isn't there? It's just it's amazing, like. Ah, it's great to hear about the Christmas atmosphere, isn't it? Fiona also spoke with shop owners, starting with Pat Martin of Guineas on Oliver Plunkett Street in the city centre. Well, absolutely, a big buzz here today, big buzz in the wrong the town. Um, big crowd in the shop this morning already, which is great. And um, long may it last. And that's it, really, you know. Um, it's been a tough six weeks for everyone. Um, staff, owners, business owners in the city for the city itself and hopefully the next couple of weeks will be prosperous. Do you think that it's going to be enough to make up for the loss over November? Oh no. Um, it'll take a piece of, it'll bring back a little piece in November but you'll never get back November. Um, it's a massive hit. November is actually busier than December for most businesses leading into Christmas and I think hopefully it'll be a success. You know. And what are people buying today? What's kind of, is it mainly Christmas decorations? Or Santi. <laughs> Santi and Mrs. Claus. All day long. Santi on the rain there. Santi this, Santi that. It'll be all Santi for the next two weeks, hopefully. Yeah. You know, where we've plenty of them here. I need to get rid of, so hopefully we'll get rid of them today. Do you, you know? have any extended opening hours? Oh, we're extending. We're opening 9 to 9, Monday to Saturday, and 10 to 7 on a Sunday. Okay. We'll be open right up. There won't be any 24 hours. You know, but and we will. Take heed of everything that we're being told. We're not fools. And, I mean, it's up to us as individuals to make sure another lockdown doesn't come. If we don't want another lockdown, take heed of what they're saying. You know, these doctors and professors know exactly what they're talking about. And we can all say, wash your hands, cough into your arm, etc. Just take heed of what they're saying. And if you do what they're doing, what they're saying to do, we won't have an issue. You know. It's Sheena's Boutique in Oliver Plunkett Street. It's just great to be open. It's a sigh of relief, really. We have a couple of weeks left to Christmas. Um, and being honest with you, it's so abnormal not having our doors open this time of the year. So having people coming back into the shop, and uh, it's just wonderful. We're, we're thrilled, thank God. I don't think you're going to make up in three weeks what you're going to last in November, but I think we'll come close to it. Uh, we'll do our best anyway. We'll serve you with a smile and we'll give you the best service as we can. So please, God, yeah.
it's it's a crazy time of the year in retail and it's been difficult having our doors locked up to now but yeah we have a couple of weeks left so we make the most of it we're open seven days a week I'm sure a lot of traders will be the same for the next couple of weeks and we'll all make the most of it Okay well done and remember folks shop local and support those retailers uh, particularly the smaller ones the small independent ones who have been closed and they need our business so so badly thank you to Fiona out on the streets of Cork City earlier today and thank you to Tess and to Barry who literally almost together sent in two identical texts saying when I played fairy tale of New York at the top of the hour saying now I realise it's Christmas that's the best Christmas song ever The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Celebrate a real Cork Christmas Find out more at corkcoco.ie can Talk, which is the support group for adults affected by cancer in any way. Their group is continuing online with support meetings held every Tuesday evening at half past seven. Attendance is free of charge, but booking is essential. The first Tuesday of every month, which is tonight, Cancer Warriors Community Group will meet. Further details available on www.cantalk.ie. And as we mentioned earlier, the running fireman, Alex O'Shea, is asking people to take up the challenge of helping his virtual guide dog to travel around the world in 80 days and raise funds for the Irish guide dogs for the blind to join the fun you simply make a donation at justgiving.com forward slash around the world in 80 days and send your kilometres or miles to the Facebook group Challenge Alex all proceeds will go towards supporting the life changing work of the Irish guide dogs for the blind Court today on C103 with McCroom Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota See McCrewMotors.com There's a moderate advisory warning for Cork from Met Aaron to say much colder for the rest of the week, sharp to severe frost and icy stretches and there will be some wintry showers and that's kicking in. I think it's from tomorrow night but just to warn people we are in for a bit of a cold spell. Mary Mallow on posting letters said a letter was posted to me from Mallow and it took six days to reach me. Posted in Mallow, going to a Mallow address. Reason for it? Went to Port Leash and then to come back down to Cork again, says Mary. That's why you're not getting next day uh, deliveries. Some of your WhatsApps in. Oh, there's a there's a text scam doing the rounds at the moment. It is to let it's there's a text doing the rounds saying when you open the link, it is saying that, let me click on it, I can't see that. Okay, it's basically saying that uh, you're due a parcel and that you have to click on the link because you're, there's duty owed on the parcel but it's a scam so please be very careful and a lot of people have items that they're expecting to come to be delivered and you might think, oh I must owe some kind of taxes on it or something, some kind of duty on it. So just be very careful that you're not clicking on a link that is a scam. I mentioned Drive-In Bingo. Anne was on. Thank you, Anne, to say Drive-In Bingo is starting up in Theo Park in Labamalaga. They had successful Drive-In Bingo before we went into lockdown. December 20th, December 27th and on January 3rd for anybody who would like to go along. Hi, Patricia, says Anne in Ballantemple. Listening to you about who should be allowed to go to church and who should not. Well, the Lord never denied anyone coming to him. He's everywhere and in everything good you do in life. I don't always go to Mass but I love to go to Mass on Christmas Day. Why should I not go? I see and know people who go to Mass every single day and when they're out they're not very Christian. 
Kind regards, says Anne from Ballon Temple, who feels she is entitled to be at Mass on Christmas Day. We are going to address this issue in more detail tomorrow. Alyssa says, when is Blarney Library going to reopen? All the libraries, I think, are due to reopen today. So I just check in with your local library because they might be changing the times on it. But certainly libraries are allowed to open under level three. When we're talking about items that you send abroad and that taste of home going you know, across the miles to somebody overseas at Christmas. Somebody said, I had a relation of mine many years ago and any time he'd come home on holidays, he'd always pack a few pounds of sausages <laughs> in his suitcase returning back to America and then he'd freeze them and he'd have a taste of home for a couple of weeks afterwards because he'd t- taken them out, defrosting them and uh, using them. Sadly passed away, but it's a memory in our family of whatever the relative was bringing the old sausages home uh, with him. John says, Patricia, I'm going to Mass at Christmas. Two things. The priests will have to hold extra Masses. I would suggest two Masses on Christmas Eve and three Masses on Christmas Day. There is an envelope system in most parishes where you put your contribution for the upkeep of the church and you put it in every week. For those who go to Mass Sunday to Sunday, they put a contribution in every week. They are the people who must and have to get first preference if they're going to limit the number of people in the church at Christmas. The parishes are going to have to try to sort this out. Hi Patricia, thanks for that John. Hi Patricia, says Pat it's the Liam McCarthy. Sam is the football. Did I say Sam? I should have said Liam. My apologies when I was talking about the hurling. And someone says, why do some barbers and hairdressers not wear masks? I'm told the situation is in some uh, salons. How can they be so irresponsible? Again, I say to everyone I've certainly, my hairdresser always has her mask on. I, I say to everybody, it's individual responsibility. If you go into a hairdresser or a barber's and your hairdresser or barber is not wearing a mask, A, you can ask them to wear one and uh, B, if they refuse, leave and go somewhere else. You know, it, we, I go back to what Mike Ryan from the World Health Organization said, you know, if some people want to act irresponsibly and stupidly or if your neighbours want to be doing all kinds of stupid things, leave them at it. You don't have to get engaged. You don't have to get involved and you certainly don't have to be in their presence. So if you know of a hairdresser or a barber, that, which I find really surprising, can I say to here, but if you know of a hairdresser or barber who's not wearing uh, a face mask, then go somewhere else. 1850 We're going to take a break. We're back with Joe Heffernan and we are Continuing to discuss gambling on the programme. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Boherbui, uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, And we, we are continuing our piece about gambling that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. And today uh, we are going to talk about how a person's life is affected if you live with a gambler Absolutely. and the difficulties that that uh, creates. Uh, firstly, it's quite secretive, so it might take some time before a person realises, does it, that the other person is gambling? Yeah, but you know the way we'd often talk about um, things to look out for. Um, if a person is very evasive about money issues, uh, the the bank account, the money here or there, um, they may lie about the amounts invested in gambling. It might be, you know, they would always... Um, uh, minimize the amount. Sudden inexplicable mood changes after watching a bit of television, maybe. In other words, elated with a win or depressed with a loss. Um, uh, people may change and have uh, neglect relationships with, with uh, 
you know, with uh, extended family and friends. Um, old um, interests, like, all right, I'll pick one, maybe gardening. Uh, there might be a real fall-off in the interest there. A person might spend really excessive time online. Um, people would have a kind of an unexplained long absence from home. I met this fellow, I met that fellow, you know, but um, uh, and may kind of dash out suddenly saying something important has just come up, whereas in fact it might be a visit to the bookies. Um, so what does one do to help oneself? Now, this is what this is about today, is about helping oneself if you are living possibly with a compulsive gambler. Well, the first thing would be to educate oneself about problem gambling. You know, um, read the literature, uh, read uh, the the things from Gamblers Anonymous, etc. And uh, I'll send in to you and uh, JP uh, later um, numbers and contacts for Problem Gambling Ireland, Gamblers Anonymous, Gamble Aware, um, Coenvera, um, uh, etc. Um, because, you know, coming up to Christmas, you know, people are already strapped for cash and, and you know, and I'm yeah. very aware this year there are families strapped for cash who've never been strapped for cash before. But if you've got somebody in the household who's gambling excessively, mm. this can be a very difficult time for, for families because suddenly there's no money in the bank. Absolutely. And there may be very unpleasant surprises when one gets the facts on what is available. And the 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 fellowship that um, helps people who are living with a compulsive gambler uh, to cope is um, uh, Gam Anon. No, this is the same as there's Al Anon for supports for living with an alcoholic, and there's one for narcot. There's is there, for, none, yeah. is there one as well for for people with with drug issues? Yeah. So so what is the purpose of Gam Anon, and, wh- and what do they do, and how do they help? Okay, well, basically, it's a fellowship of men and women who are um, uh, able to share their um, uh, experience, strength and hope with others who have been in the same position or maybe even currently in the same position. Um, So um, uh, one feels that they have arrived at home, as it were, in a way. Uh, There was a member of Gamanon who described it this way. Uh, Gamanon didn't open the gates of heaven and let me in, but it did open the gates of hell and let me out. Wow, um, what a great description. Yeah, yeah. And um, so it, it's, it, I suppose, um, what they all would have in common, um, uh, Naranon, Alanon, Gamanon, would be um, uh, trying to... Uh, um, uh, uh, teach in a way about um, detachment with love. Now, detachment does not mean abandonment. What it means is that a person starts to look after their own health and well-being. Even though the uh, the addict may feel you're abandoning them? May do, may do. Like one of the things now to do with gambling and gammonon would be um, a word that uh, many might be aware of, enabling. Now, if the gambler gets into trouble financially, um, with a Christian loving person, the instinct would be to bail them out. Now, 
that would be called enabling the person to continue with the illness. But let me put in a little rider there now. If it was my own situation with a loved one, I would help out once. Now, this is against the literature, and maybe I'll be getting phone calls from um, uh, GA and all that. But look, I'm going to take a chance on that. I would bail out once, and I would make it very clear. This is a once-off. You need to realize that you have a serious problem. You need to do something about it. Here's a number for Gamblers Anonymous, but I will not be helping out financially again. Um, because, you know, we need to be kind, and uh, but we don't need to be foolish. So um, if, God forbid, one of the, uh, a loved one, uh, in my own case, um, you know, got into difficulty, I would help once. And but I would it. make it very clear that yeah. it was totally a once-off. But after that, then, um, enabling is not a good thing. Um, and we need to learn about uh, detachment with love. We need to realize that our own health and well-being, that we're taken up with the uh, mental and, indeed, financial and, uh, you know, um, uh, results, um, outcomes of... Uh, living with a compulsive gambler. So we le- we need to learn to deal with our reactions to that disease. Um, we, we, we need to learn which of our behaviours enable the disease to continue, like I just said. We need to get the support that we need. And then and do you we need, find hope. Do you, do you try then to encourage the person to admit that they have a problem? I mean, with any addiction to anything, isn't that the toughest part? It is. It is. And once the person accepts that they have a problem, they're 50% home into a recovery. I mean, the minute a person walks into my own office and says, you know, I have a problem with um, whether it is drugs, drink, um, uh, you know. uh, I, I would say to them, fair play, this takes courage. And, you know, it's the beginning, a big beginning to your recovery. Um, because in all the fellowships, the first step always is we admitted we were powerless over our addiction, that our lives had become unmanageable. Now, it doesn't really, you know, that wording goes with whether we're saying uh, powerless over alcohol, powerless over our addiction, powerless over gambling, and uh, the behavioral addictions are just as severe as the substance ones. For a long time, like when we talked about the word addiction, our heads immediately went to uh, alcohol and drugs. And of course, but we need to remember that there are other addictions and that they're just as deadly. In fact, in many cases, they can be lethal. Yeah, and actually I heard a man saying, because the betting shops have, are reopening today because they were yeah. closed part and non-essential, and I heard a man on national radio saying he's dreading it. He never got into online uh, gambling, but he knows as soon as the betting shops opened, and it just it struck me, he knows he is a problem. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he, he doesn't want the temptation, like, plonked in front of his eyes. Um, yeah, I, I actually heard the thing on the radio the other day I was driving. There was a guy on... And um, 
was phenomenal. I think he had 150,000 worth of slips for the National Lottery. My God. Imagine. My God. Good. Yeah. Well, that's gambling. You know, you, you you forget about the lottery, but that is a form of gambling as well. OK, listen, we'll pick this up again next week and get those numbers into us and we'll certainly share them with listeners. Joe, in the meantime, have a lovely week and thank you for joining us. Thank you indeed, uh, Patricia. Bye-bye. I'll That's... get those numbers to you right now. Thanks a million. Joe Heffernan runs a counselling practice in Bohup, where he's number 029 uh, Tomorrow we're going to be discussing masses and how churches are going to accommodate the number of people who want to go to mass at Christmas. Michael says, I think priests and parishes are going to be under severe pressure over the Christmas period. I'm not from the city, but I happened to tune in to the five o'clock mass from the city on Saturday evening. The priests were saying between the cathedral and Blackpool and the Glenning etc. They're going to have 22 masses on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. That's some pressure for two priests and presumably the bishop in that case. I really think a booking system will have to be put in place. It may annoy some people but needs must I feel this uh, year. Yeah, and as I say, we have a priest joining us tomorrow to see uh, what what the plan is, how are they going to accommodate uh, people. But I can already see from a number of texts and calls coming in, people are saying that they want to be able to attend Mass on uh, Christmas Day. Will everyone be facilitated? I simply don't know. OK, that's where I've got to wrap it up for today. My thanks to uh, John Paul for working on the programme today. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. On to the night, Patricia Messenger. Uh, take care and stay safe. Court to- Today on C103 with McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.